We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. Apparently, uh, <clears throat> we were on the same page that way because I really liked the idea. I think we ought to call ourselves Common Thread Lab. <laughs> and if that is true, then this is not a lesson or a sermon, <clears throat> but instead it's the presentation of a hypothesis for the purpose of you gathering yourselves into little scientific groups and testing my hypothesis against reality. <clears throat> Voila, we now have a lab. In holding with that metaphor, I want to begin with a little experiment. <clears throat> I'm going to pass out these papers that I don't have. <laughs> They're on the table. Uh, and step one is going to be to fill out the first column with words that describe who you know yourself to be. If you don't have anything to write with, I also came prepared because I'm wonderful. <laughs> and you actually can decide on what color you want in case you're a type four and like things to be a little different. <coughs> this column that you're going to be filling out can be all positive characteristics or all negative characteristics or a mixture of both. You will not be graded there is no way that you can fail this or do it wrong. And it doesn't have to be perfectly accurate either. So about a third of you is going to resist this exercise because you uh, have a love-hate relationship with authority. <laughs> about a third of you are going to be stressed uh, because it's not going to be perfect. You're gonna need to be genuine this can't be genuine, because <coughs> you keep on changing. <laughs> Some of you will do it because you like the color of the pencil. <laughs> All right, so then, again, just take a little bit of time and just write down characteristics of who you know yourself to be. And those of you who were in the levels of development, you know what I'm doing and you know why I'm doing it. And no matter how many times you do this little experiment, it is very, very helpful. So write down who you know yourself to be. Some of you are quite aware you've been doing this a long time and you'll actually have a long list. Some of you haven't been doing this very long and you might have two or three characteristics and that's okay. The point that I'm going to be making will be valid no matter what. <coughs> All right. So the first column is, who do I know myself to be? Positive characteristics. Some of you only see the positive, so you're going to put down only positive. Some of you only see the negative, so you're going to only put down the negative. Some of you, there's going to be a mixture.
when you are done or when you're bored, just look up. <laughs> Okay, in the second column, I want you to look at the first column and simply write the opposite of the word that you put in the words that you put in the first column. So if you use the word I'm spontaneous in the first column, in the second column would be the word rigid. <coughs> Just the opposite. So the first column is, who do I know myself to be? And the second column is the opposite of the first column. <coughs> Were there any more papers? We have two people who just came in. Um, so what you're going to do in the first column is write down who you know yourself to be. Do you have pencils and paper, uh, pencils? Do you have something to write with? Excellent. <coughs> so the first column is going to be who do I know myself to be and then when you finish the first column you're going to simply write down the opposite of whatever you put in the first column yes put not <laughs> <laughs> did that to Ender. He was in my levels of development class that I did and he had written in the first column and then he only had two or three in the uh, opposite column and, and I just reached over and put not. <laughs> I don't know whether that was bossy or not but <laughs> he knows me well enough to not be offended. <laughs> Afterwards I thought was that a little presumptuous? <laughs> It works. <laughs> All right, after you write on the second column the opposite, at the very top of that column, I want you to write shadow side. Oh, yes, I have a shadow up there. <laughs> uh, so the 
first column is who do I know myself to be, and the second column is the opposite, and then you're going to write at the very top my shadow side. <coughs> All right, we're going to put that aside for a couple of minutes, and, um, and then I'll tell you more about this exercise a little farther down. <coughs> is that okay? Are we all done? Okay. As most of you know, I love using the Enneagram as a tool for self-awareness. For those of you who are not familiar with the Enneagram, it's a system that divides people into three main categories or types based on why they do what they do. In other words, it's based on motivation. <coughs> a quick overview. Types two, three, and four do what they do in order to experience esteem and affection. Types, um, each type has a slightly different way of achieving this goal. And the same is true of the next triad. Types five, six, and seven do what they do in order to achieve safety and security. And the last grouping, types eight, nine, and one, do what they do in order to achieve power and control. The theory suggests that you will favor one of these over the other eight. I often see the Enneagram-related truths in scripture, and this was true last time Doug began his series with Luke 18, the parable of the prayers of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The story goes like this. Two men went into church to pray. One man, a Pharisee, thanked God for all of his blessings. He thanked God for all of the victories he had had in his life and all the ways that he was achieving his God-ordained goals. As he was thanking God for all of his blessings, he saw a tax collector also praying. Seeing the tax collector reminded the Pharisee of how glad he was that he didn't have the moral failings of the tax collector, which he then proceeded to thank God for. Then the story recounts the prayer of the tax collector, which was, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Two prayers, the totality of the story. Jesus comments that even though both were talking to God, the Pharisee failed to connect to God, whereas the tax collector succeeded in connecting to God. Now here is what I do not want you to conclude. Pharisee bad, tax collector good. After all, God used a Pharisee to write a lot of the New Testament. Or, the other thing I don't want you to conclude is, feel good about yourself? Well, then that's bad. Feel bad about yourself? Well, then that's good. Here is what I think is more helpful and more interesting. The tax collector is the shadow side of the Pharisee. The Pharisee, because he had not integrated his shadow side, conveniently projected his shadow side onto the other, the tax collector, and then rejected the tax collector, thereby absolving himself of ever having to suffer by owning 
his own disappointments and his own failures. Or said another way, we will often reject in ourselves that which we reject, let me start over. Let me say this another way. That which we reject in ourselves, we will often reject in the other, often by simply rejecting the person themselves. So what do I mean by the shadow side? This is not the official definition, but in the Enneagram world, our shadow side would be those characteristics that threaten our type assigned identity. Those characteristics that threaten our type assigned identity. Our types are invested in us being a certain way. Our types are invested in us identifying with them. They are us. Whenever we challenge our types, our types will punish us. Our types want to be us and will resist us whenever we challenge the idea that we are more than our types. You can see why you might be reluctant to own certain of your shadow characteristics. Doing so will put you in direct conflict with your type assigned identity. Referring to the paper that you just filled out, those characteristics in the second column are just as much you as the characteristics in the first column. Those characteristics in the second column are just as much you as the characteristics of the first column. Now, that could be a pretty daunting awareness. And I'm going to suggest that the way of growth will be to own your shadow side. I'm going to suggest that your awareness of reality will be similar to the Pharisee. His self-awareness was limited until you own that second column, your shadow side. I'm going to give you an example. As a result of the nudgings of the Holy Spirit, I gradually became aware that I had very few type twos in my life. And I grew curious about that. It did make sense. The Enneagram symbol suggested that that would be the case. I had no connection to the, the type twos at all as far as lines go. And then I became aware that the very few type twos that were in my life all shared similar, all shared the similar characteristic, and that was they were all gentle. And then I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I had given gentleness zero attention, zero awareness, and zero merit. So working backwards, could it be that in the rejecting of gentleness in the other, I had rejected gentleness in myself and gentleness in my God? Could it be that in the rejection of gentleness, I had unconsciously rejected type twos? It certainly wasn't intentional, much less conscious. But that is the nature of our shadow side, not intentional and not conscious, but true nevertheless. And now, when I am with type twos, I consciously try to sync my energy with their gentleness, just so I can affirm the wonderfulness of gentleness. 
I also am more prone to let God be gentle and to deal gently with me. To refuse God's goodness is just as wrong as to refuse to see your failings. In my case, it was refusing God's gentleness. For some of us, owning the good can be just as hard as owning the not so good. And in the owning of both, there is a grieving of our previous rejection of some aspect of God and the resulting smallness of our lives. So that is an example from my life. Now I want to give you an example from each of the nine types. When type ones start experiencing and owning and therefore integrating their shadow side, they start getting in touch with their true desires. Conversely, they also start owning their personal pain, their melancholy, and the deep frustrations of their life. They get in touch with their discomfort around spontaneity and joy. When the type twos start integrating and experiencing and owning their shadow side, they will become aware of their need for royal treatment. They will start becoming aware that they believe the lie, that they are only as good as what they give. They will start noticing how much they crave love and attention. They will also start feeling a lot of anger that previously they were not allowed to feel. They will experience intense shame with each revelation. When the type threes start experiencing and owning and therefore integrating their shadow side, they become aware of how they unconsciously deceive themselves by believing only the positive images they project. They start feeling their insecurities their fears, and their vulnerabilities. They will also experience intense shame with each revelation. When the type fours start experiencing and owning and integrating their shadow side, they start becoming aware of an unconscious victimhood mentality. They become aware of a self-perpetrating -per cycle of lack and loss. Interestingly enough, they also start getting in touch with their happiness and satisfaction, capability, normality, and an energetic action. When the type fives start experiencing and owning and integrating their shadow side, they start to get in touch with a great longing for connection, a vast wealth of wants and needs, their fear of rejection, their great power, their emotionality, and a wise and unwavering strength that sources itself in God. When the type sixes start experiencing and owning and integrating their shadow side, they start to get in touch with their deep connection to God and self. They become aware that their unconscious drive for ultimate security cannot be satisfied on earth. They become aware of how many of their actions are motivated by fear of retribution from authority figures. When the type sevens start experiencing and owning and integrating their shadow side, they start to get in touch with the full spectrum of their inner emotional life <clears throat> and a true ability to hone and focus attention. They also become aware of feelings of insecurity. When the type eights start experiencing and owning and integrating their shadow side, 
they become aware of the least accessed parts of themselves, softness and innocence and vulnerability. They also start feeling their insecurities. When the type nine start experiencing and owning and integrating their shadow side, and this is the last one, thank God, <laughs> they become aware of their layered emotionality, often with a deep reserve of rage and anger that must be expressed to then access a kind of grief over all the ways they abandon themselves. Okay, so that's the cheat sheet for each of the nine types. Each of us are invited to experience, to own, and to integrate those characteristics that are the polar opposite of who we know ourselves to be. The second point I want to make is that the Pharisee was not wrong about what he said. He wasn't lying. The things he said about himself were accurate. But even though he was accurate and sincere and honest, he was also wrong. This is very much like all of us at the beginning of our spiritual journeys. Our types feed us scripts very much like the Pharisee script. The life script of the Pharisee is the way I do life is the way life should be done. These scripts are true as far as they go, but they don't go far enough. Or another way of saying this is that they are half-truths like the half-truth of the snake in the Garden of Eden. And the snake said to Eve, Hath God said, Surely you won't die. This was a half-truth. Adam and Eve didn't die a physical death. Immediately, the snake was right. But he was also wrong because they did experience a spiritual death. Likewise, the Pharisee spoke accurately, but not truthfully enough. He hadn't integrated his shadow side. He didn't have enough truth and therefore could not see more than his type would let him see. The third point I want to make is that an integrated Pharisee would still have all the strengths of the Pharisee, the appropriate love of structures and rules and procedures. He would have still gone to church and he would have still thanked God for all of his blessings. And he would have still appropriately assessed that the tax collector was indeed a very broken man. None of those things would have changed. What would have been different was that his reaction to the tax collector's brokenness would have been one of a feeling of one of feeling the weight and sadness of the prisons we all find ourselves in. The fourth point I want to make is that you never come to the end of experiencing your shadow side. That is a job that never ends. Just like you will never come to the end of being triggered you will also never come to the end of experiencing your shadow side if you are growing. I do not have a goal for my shadow side to cease and desist. My goal instead is to experience, own, and integrate my shadow side when it appears. Now, what I have just said, I don't know for sure, sure. 
but it's something I suspect is true. I'll let you know if I ever evolve to such a degree that my shadow side no longer exists. <laughs> what then is the end game of all of this experiencing and owning and integrating? If what I say is true, and that we never come to the end of it on this earth, is it just one long Groundhog Day existence? Referring to the classic movie Groundhog Day, for those of you who are 10 years old. <laughs> the answer to that question is yes, your life is one long Groundhog Day existence, if you are lucky. What I'm going to suggest to you is that your experience of your connection to God while you are living your Groundhog Day is the end game. Our shining up of ourselves to ourselves and to each other can't be the end goal because it never ends. The last point I want to make is that while we are in the oblivious I am my type stage, God is not rejecting us. God is waiting for us to become teachable. God is waiting for us to be aware that we are incomplete. The old word was sinner. God is waiting for us to stop resisting reality. Our self-sufficiency egged on by our type is what is keeping us from connecting to God and being heard by God. So let's not shame ourselves for being our oblivious, non-integrated selves, and let's not shame others for being their oblivious, non-integrated selves. And when we catch ourselves shaming ourselves and or shaming others, because we can clearly see we are deep in our arrogance, and so are they. Instead, let's feel the shame, and let's feel the arrogance, and let's give it to God, and then pray for grace, and pray for awareness, and then pray for humility. So thank you. It really is. Um, I didn't really mean that. It's a joke. So, um, yesterday we had another work day here, and things are continuing to come together in our new space. Um, and uh, I think I misspoke last week. Our giving is a little bit down, and our expenses are a little bit up. And so, remember, as Doug says every week, that an investment and Common Thread is an investment in our community, and there's a good return on that investment. And um, I, I, don't, I think that there's supposed to be a slide that shows you how to get to the website to make a donation, but you know how to get to the website. It's commonthreadchurch.org, and so that's where we give online now. And when we um, 
give our time and our talent and the dollars that it makes, uh, that it takes to make everything go here. Um, it comes back to us and all of those gifts are amplified and our community grows in love. So please uh, give what you can uh, to the uh, uh, to the end of spiritual communities growth. And th there's the slide. Okay, there's the box. You can click on it if you don't know how to get to the website. So, um, What are you thinking? What are you thinking? I th we do have a live stream, I think. I think we got the live stream up. So, uh, yes. So, hello, friends. My friends uh, who I get to do What Are You Thinking with uh, once a month are there. And if you are new to the live stream and you haven't gone to What Are You Thinking, the link is in the YouTube comments. There's also, you can also go to the website and find the link to get there. And we just encourage you to get online and chat with the folks who are there. They're a wonderful group of people. There's a little bit of resistance sometimes uh, to get into a Zoom call that is new, but, uh, but join. You won't regret meeting those folks and talking about the lesson here today uh, with some people who are eager to discuss it with you. So go to the link. It's on the website. It's in the YouTube comments. And the password to get in is 1417. So hope that you'll join. And with that, can we all put our hands on our hearts? And remember, uh, when Robin told us that inner light, the inner divine is in us, and all of the fruits of the spirit are in us, uh, patience, kindness, love, all of, those, all of those things are in us, and let's just remember that they're there. And then if we can extend our other hand out to our city and out to our world and to the people with whom we work and play and go to school and let that inner light shine. Let that inner light shine with all the people we meet and come in contact with this week. Amen. Folks on the live stream, you are dismissed. And folks in the room, we're going to do What Are You Thinking? If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.